0: with Jesus right now. We, this is a series we started a year ago at Christmas and uh, we go all the way to Easter with it. We're very excited and we are in Luke chapter 18. Before we go there, um, something changed here since my wife and I had our firstborn baby. Um, when Samantha first came into our life, the nurses were not so uh, militant about how to wrap up a baby in a blanket and now it's, it's crazy, and the parents are, are totally on board with this. When Samantha came into our life, um, I guess we just allowed her arms and legs to frail around, which now I understand that's not good. That's not ideal. A baby needs to feel secure, needs to feel safe. And so there's this magical way to take a little baby and wrap him up into a blanket so he looks like this little mummy, and, but, but that's what's best for him. And, and sure enough, uh, i talked to a doctor and he said, yeah, it's true. He said when baby's arms are not pulled in tight, newborns, um, they that jumping and that jerking, it, it's like falling. They, they feel like they might be falling. And you and I do the same thing. When we fall asleep and we dream we're falling and when we're waking up, we, we jerk. Our arms go out. And so it's best for his safety and security that to, so he'll feel secure to be pulled in tight. Well rich young ruler had his security in everything except the one thing he needed his security to be in and that was in God when you're a baby that's one thing but as you grow your security should be in what God can provide Uh, to be held in the embrace of Christ to be held uh, in the embrace of his love the embrace of his grace all of those things is where we find our security the rich young ruler wasn't there He put his security in money and possessions. The rich young ruler story is told in three out of four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Each one is a little bit different. All three of us tell us that he was rich. But only Matthew mentions that he was young, and only Luke notes that he was a ruler. Hence, he has become known as the rich young ruler. This guy had it all. When you think about it, he had wealth, he had youthfulness, he had power, you know, It's one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of Tom Brady. I I mean, I look at Tom Brady, I'm like, are you kidding me, God? Could you not have spread a little bit of, of that out with some other guys in this world? Tom Brady has it all. He's super rich. He's super athletic. He's super successful. Not to mention he's in super great shape, and he's super handsome. I know how the guy must feel. And yet, with all of that going for him, in an intense interview, he will talk about an emptiness that's still there. Haven't psychologists said this through the years? Haven't Christian ministers said it over and over again? You You can think in your mind, boy, if I just had what Tom Brady had, I'd find happiness. Well, the rich young ruler had what Tom Brady had, and he recognized something was missing. There's a problem here. And finally, he rolls the dice, and he goes running to Jesus. And Jesus is willing to help him here, but it is going to be radical therapy. Here we go. We're in chapter 18, verse 18. A certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I, I like the fact that he believes in eternal life. He wants to go there, but he's still asking. It feels like I don't have this thing secure yet. Jesus responds, what, why do you call me good? No one is good except, except God alone. That, that's a curious phrase. Through the years, what I've heard, and I've probably even preached, is that Jesus is trying to get him to acknowledge that if God is the only one who's good, and he's calling Jesus good, therefore Jesus must be connected to deity, so whatever Jesus says will be good and wise and right words. But I'm just not so sure anymore. Because I've heard too many non believers, if you ask a non believer, you know, well, what do you think of Jesus Christ? Well, he's a really good teacher. And what's meant by that phrase allows them to put Jesus on the same plane as every other good teacher. And I'm wondering if that's not what the rich young ruler just tried to pull. You're a good teacher good teachers you know we we enjoy good teachers but that puts you on the same plane with every other good teacher and Jesus knew that if this man if he was going to break into this man's world and get into his heart Jesus had to become something more important than just a good teacher and so Jesus challenges him a little bit with this teaching the rich young ruler obviously he's got a problem I just can't imagine Jesus what might be wrong with me but it feels like there's something missing and you know how hard it is to admit there's a problem? When you admit that there's something missing, <laughs> it's not easy. I was on an elevator down in Springfield. I was making hospital calls. And when I got to the elevators there at the hospital, there was another pastor there. I, I recognized him as a pastor because he was wearing a little white collar. And so as we were getting on, I introduced myself, and he introduced himself, and I told him I ministered in Lincoln, and we started the ride up together. All of a sudden, the elevator stopped, and the door's open, and I said, Well, it was a pleasure to meet you. And I started walking off. And just as I'm getting off the elevator, I immediately realized I am not on the right floor. But I was too afraid to turn around and admit it, so I just went around the corner from him where he couldn't see me. And I heard the doors close. I came back around. I hit the up button. I must have hit the button too soon because the exact same elevator opened up. And here's this priest looking at me. And I had to admit, I'm on the wrong floor. And he laughed a little bit. And, but I, I can't always read someone's mind, but I could read his that day. He's sitting there thinking, boy, you don't have to have a lot on the ball to minister in Lincoln, you know. Ah, oh, to admit there's a problem. Some of you came in this morning. And, and you sense that there's something not quite right. You sense a hole somewhere in your like. I know this doesn't feel right. And maybe if you had a few moments to talk to Jesus, you might ask him the same question. Jesus, am I going to heaven or not? That's really the purpose of his question. So Jesus is willing to take some time here. Verse 20. You know the commandments, he said. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. You know what, can I speak up for this guy for just a moment? He probably did. Look at the list. Couldn't most of you say, I've done all those things since I was a boy? Jesus didn't go through all the commandments, by the way. And I think very intentionally, Jesus did not give the first commandment. Thou shall have no other gods before me. Because later on, we're going to discover right there is the crux of the matter for the rich young ruler. He's allowed something else to come into his life. Jesus will say, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot have both money and God be your master. You'll love one or hate the other or vice versa. And that's what's going to be the heart of the issue for the rich young ruler. He put too much security in his stuff. Verse 22, when Jesus heard him reply that he had done all these things, he said to him, well, then you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And the other accounts tell us that he walks away from Jesus at this point. Oh my goodness, talk about going straight for the jugular. Go and sell everything you have. Does that seem a little extreme to you? A little radical? You have to remember that Jesus could read a man's heart. To tell him, go sell your stuff, tells us that the man was controlled by his finances and possessions. He's the only one in scripture who's ever told that. Go sell it all. The come follow me is pretty interesting. A lot of people believe that that was a call to become one of Jesus' disciples. Because at this point already, Jesus knows he's going to have to replace Judas. What an amazing moment. Come and be one of my disciples. This guy had an opportunity to be a follower of Jesus all the way to the end. But he walks away sad. Why? Because of the first words, go and sell. And if some of us in this room heard the words, go and sell, we probably wouldn't hear the words, come and follow. What that means is, is possessions have a hold of us. There's nothing, look at me, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. And there's nothing wrong with having possessions, as long as possessions do not have you. But boy, once possessions take hold of you, you don't have to be rich, by the way, to have this problem. Some people I have known have very few things. But some of those things completely control them. Toys and bank accounts can begin to distract us from God. And Jesus was not trying to make this man's life miserable. He was trying to free him. Boy, all these things had become his security. Verse 24, Jesus looked at him and said, Oh boy, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. If you're hearing this for the first time, that can be a really strange thing to think about. A camel through the eye of a needle. Do you know what preachers have said through the years, and what I I think I may have taught it too. We're talking about a gate, they said, it's a gate in the wall. It was meant only for sheep. It was called the eye of the needle, but you know, if you took a camel and you really wanted to get the camel through it, you could do it. you just have to take off all of his burden, get all of his load off. You'd have to teach him to get down on all four. You'd have to get him to crawl and scooch. You know, it's not impossible for a rich man to get to heaven. It's just really hard. And it's not impossible for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. You just got to work at it a little bit. That's been the teachings through the years. However, more updating teaching now tells us that the Greek, the Greek word here, which is different than the word that Matthew and Mark use, the original Greek word here literally means a surgeon's needle. And that's fascinating because Luke was a physician. And so you gotta be able to picture what Jesus is saying. I just so happened to have a needle And I asked Miss Marsha, our children's minister, do you have a camel I could use? And she gave me this. (laughs) Now correct me if I'm wrong, but is this not Joe Camel from Camel Cigarettes? It's good to know Marsha finally saved up enough camel coupons to buy it, isn't it? (laughs) If you talk to her today, she does have a little bit of a cough, you know. Here's a surgeon's needle or a regular needle with an eye. And the idea is that to get this camel through that eye of the needle is impossible. And could that be what Jesus is actually trying to say? All these years, it's hard it's hard, it's hard. It's not impossible to get a camel through the eye of a needle. it's just hard. And maybe what Jesus is saying is, no, it is absolutely impossible for a rich man to go to heaven. And it's impossible for a poor man to go to heaven if God doesn't step in and do the impossible. And isn't that exactly where Jesus goes. Verse 26, those who heard this asked, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Boy, the disciples could not have been more challenged at this point. They'd been taught all their life that the rich, the rich, God blesses people who are righteous with wealth, and so if you were rich, that meant you were really righteous, and Jesus just turned that whole thing upside down, and he points out to us that if God does not step into our world and do the impossible for us, we don't, we don't get to go to heaven, and sure enough, I, you know, the, the, the rich young ruler, he had all the good behavior, If you want to be a good person, you should be a good person. Be as good as you can be. It pleases the Father when his kids are good. Don't make no mistake about it. But your goodness is not what gets you to heaven. If God does not step into my world and do the impossible, I have no chance of getting there. And that's exactly what the Christmas story is all about. God coming down in Christ Jesus. God with us now. And making a way for mankind to find their their way to him and to eternal life. Maybe Jesus literally meant an eye of a needle. Well, you look at the reaction of the people who heard Jesus that day, go and sell everything, come and follow. Rich young ruler, he went away sad. The disciples were shocked. I think Jesus must have been heartbroken. But the real question is, what is your reaction this morning? If you were knee to knee and toe to toe with Jesus right now, and he asked you, and you were asking him, what do I have to do to go to heaven? And he told you, go and sell everything and come and follow. Hearing those words right now, be honest with yourself. Do you feel sad for the rich young ruler? Or are you sitting there telling the rich young ruler, you know what? Possessions don't control me. I've given it all to God. I'm trying to be a good steward of what he's given me. I'm a giver. I do take care of the poor, but they don't control me anymore. Do it, rich young ruler. Do it. It's worth it. Totally give it. Sell it. Go follow Jesus. If that's your reaction, then you know you have a pretty good handle on this possessions thing. But if you're feeling sad right now for this guy, chances are good you have the same problem the rich young ruler had. You, have, you share the same struggle. And the rich young ruler walks away sad. Why? Because it's mine. It's mine. Have you heard children do that yet? <laughs> I got, I got granddaughters that fight over an item, and it's, it's amazing how vicious, and, you know, and they're screaming, mine. And it dawned on me, no parent ever taught their child to fight for a toy and say, mine. Do you understand that? Where did it come from? How did they learn that? Well, they played with the ministers' kids. That's how. I, <laughs> I know. We want to blame someone else. Maybe, just maybe, that mine, mine, mind is an inward struggle for all of us. It certainly was an inward struggle for this rich young ruler, and he had placed all his security in it. But his security was misplaced. So I tuned into Charlie Brown. Christmas special again this year. It's been on air since 1965. That's pretty amazing and so that means it's been been with us 52 years and some network always chooses to play it and I haven't caught it every year but this year was special because I had read that the network that was playing it was under attack by an atheistic group and you know anytime you're going to play a, a, a little cartoon that has the words of, of God in it pretty you know, that's pretty threatening to the rest of the world. and So they were fighting it. And so I said, you know what, they get my loyalty today. And I, I watched the Charlie Brown Christmas. It was, it was fascinating. And then because of an article I read, I was really tuned into it because it was pointed out to me that that Linus, in the middle of reading Scripture, in the middle of quoting the story, the real story of Jesus' birth, that Linus drops his security blanket. And i would never noticed that before. Right at a moment when he's quoting the angels and he's saying, fear not, he lets go of that one thing he's most known for. Charlie Brown's always recognized by a yellow shirt and Lucy's always recognized by that blue dress and that psychiatry bench, but Linus is known for that blanket. And do you know how many cartoons through the years have had one of those cartoon characters, one of those peanut characters, trying to get Linus to let go of that, and he refuses. He'll never do it. But in this moment of telling the real story of Jesus' birth, the real reason for Christmas, when he says, fear not, he lets go of the one thing he's been hanging on to the most. Watch this. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. It's so simple, it's absolutely brilliant. And I think it was done intentionally, because the creator of Peanuts was an open follower of Jesus Christ. So I think he made it just the way he wanted it to be. 2017 was a little bit scary at times, and it even became scary to go to church. I don't think 2018 is going to be any better. if your security is locked up in what this world has to offer, you're going to be in the midst of fear and insecurity all the time. Linus inspires us that true security is not found in things of this world, but it is found in Jesus, period. The Apostle Paul, oh, to have his philosophy of life. If I live today, great. I get to be with you and my family and friends. And that would be great. If I die today, great. I get to go be with Jesus in heaven. And then he would go on to say, and to be with Christ would be far better. Isn't that a great philosophy? Your toys, your bank accounts, your possessions, your retirement funds, they're nice to have, and you should thank God if you have them. But it is not where true security is found. True security... Is found in Christ. This story has always been known as the story of the rich young ruler. I submit that we change it to the sad young ruler because he walks away from Jesus. Don't let that be your story.